Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. Oh my goodness, it feels so good to be recording. I'm pretty sure the last podcast episode was a month ago. So I apologize for the delay. Uh, basically, that was just because I was traveling, I was moving into college. It was really hard, especially to just simply find a quiet place to record a podcast. Um, in terms of like the equipment needed to record a podcast, it's super simple. I just need my computer and a microphone. But finding the actual time and space to be alone in a quiet place where no one will hear me, um, that proved to be quite challenging. I think I only recorded one podcast episode while me and my family were traveling because they went to the grocery store and that was so, so lucky, but never really got any more opportunities. So thank you for waiting. I'm very excited for today's episode. I'm hoping that no one in the adjacent rooms can hear me. I'm on the top floor and I never hear anyone up here. I saw someone here once, uh, they were moving into the room, but I don't know, either the walls are really thick or they just don't make any noise. If, if that's the case, if, if it's the latter, then I have to be the loudest one here. But today's episode is one that I've been planning for a long time. I'm very excited. We are talking about menstrual cycles. It's not gonna be like high school health class because actually I think high school health class did a pretty terrible job on educating us about menstrual cycles. So this book that I read did a way better job and hopefully this podcast as a result will also teach you some cool things. If you have a menstrual cycle, perfect. These tips are gonna apply directly to your life. And if you don't have a menstrual cycle, I'm willing to bet that you have someone in your life who you spend a lot of time with, who you care about, who you love, that does have a menstrual cycle. And so you can better understand them. And that's always good, more harmony and whatever. So the book that we're gonna be discussing today is called Period Power by Maisie Hill. I actually took notes and wrote a summary for this book, which I uploaded to the Dream Team on Vibly. And so I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that now. Um, the Dream Team and Dream Team VIP are membership tiers that we have on our Vibly community. Vibly is where you can join for free and participate in weekly challenges and chat with other fans of the Bliss Bean. I feel weird calling them fans. Let's just say other people who watch the Bliss Bean. We have ambassadors who lead circles on things like learning English, learning Spanish, uh, mental health, advice, etc. And so we have ambassadors who lead circles on things like content creation, mental health, English learning, Spanish learning. So any interest you have, you'll probably find someone, another Bliss Beanie who is also interested in that. So the dream team is for you if you want to delve even deeper into the community. So basically for the dream team, we have an exclusive chat. We have weekly planning meetups led by our ambassadors so that you can have accountability. We have monthly workshops hosted by yours truly, me and you also get access to resources. So I send a weekly newsletter with the results of my weekly review process. So I tell you about like what's going well in my life, what's not going well, what am I working on, what am I thinking about? It's super behind the scenes. And you also get access to my book notes and summaries. So that's where I uploaded this. And if you are interested in going a step above that and joining Dream Team VIP, that is actually capped at 10 members. It is a very small community. We have our own group chat. You basically get a hand in 
planning future Blissbean content because that is where I get feedback on what content to create. You get to see videos early and help me edit them to make them the best they can be. We have weekly meetups, which I also attend. So it's just a super close-knit community if you really want to just be a part of the Blissbean, basically. So if you want to learn more about those or sign up, you can go to blissbean.viably.io and I'll also put that in the show notes. And we are going to move on to talking about periods. Yay! I think I should start by talking about why I am so interested in this topic. So interested, in fact, that for my final presentation for AP World History in 10th grade, I did my presentation on the history of menstruation. Um, I also have a menstrual cycle, so that definitely helps. But I think I wouldn't have really developed like the desire to learn more about it if it weren't for a particular formative experience when I was younger. So basically when I was, let's see, early high school, yes, early high school, I developed some issues with disordered eating. And as a result of that, I actually lost my period. That lasted for one and a half years. And uh, I don't know, maybe a year into it. Yeah, let's just say a year, I don't really know. I went to see a doctor. I believe she was specifically like a women's health doctor. And she took out a piece of paper and started drawing the hormone, like the hormone cycle on it for me. And this was stuff I'd never seen before. I remember in middle school and high school health class, the extent of the education on menstrual cycles was basically kind of just vaguely learning what it is and how to deal with it. Like, okay, it's a it's a lining for the uterus. And then if you don't have a baby, it sheds. Here's how you can manage it, what supplies you should buy, but nothing about like how the actual hormones work, how that supports your health, how it's a really important sign of how your overall health is doing. Um, I don't know, I feel like we just kind of viewed it as a nuisance, you know, like, oh, you're growing up and this is going to start, it's going to suck, but here's how you deal with it. Um, So basically when I saw that women's health doctor, She explained to me that when you have your period as a teenager, it builds your bone density. And so if for whatever reason you are not getting your cycles, then your bone density just kind of remains stagnant. And so when puberty finishes, you have weaker bones. Um, I even had to do like a full body x-ray to see what my bone density was as a result of that uh, one and a half years they i think they scanned specifically like my lower back as well i don't know maybe that's like a specific site where you can really see the results of bone density loss but yeah basically i lost bone density that i can never get back and i was just shocked hearing that um i was obviously in a very unhealthy place mentally with the disordered eating and so i didn't view losing my period as a bad thing like i didn't miss it at all Um, What was there to miss? You know, all I knew of it was that basically there was cramping and it was annoying to deal with. And so when it stopped, I I noticed that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I literally did not do anything about it or try to get it back. And so when that doctor told me that, I was like, why did I never learn that? I had no idea that this was happening. Because I think especially when she said that this bone loss is permanent, that you can never get it back that definitely would have like well i don't know i can't say definitely because i can't go back in time into my early high school brain but i feel like that might have 
I don't know, kind of pushed me to get back on track and be healthy again. So anyways, that happened. And once I got my period back, I was super excited. I, I think I remember we were about to leave for a trip. Like I was at school. It was the end of the school day. And that afternoon I would go home, we would pack and me and my family would go on a trip. And at school I got my period and I texted my parents and we were all so happy. I'm pretty sure they like hugged me when we got back. Um, and so it was just a really nice time. After that, I appreciated my period so, so much more and actually got interested in learning more about it. So I would say the main influence on me at this time of my life was someone named Claire Baker. It's weird saying something like that, like, oh, this person had a huge influence on my life when they probably don't even know you exist. I should reach out to her. It would be really cool to do like a podcast with her. Maybe we could interview her. Uh, so basically, she had a blog called This Is Lifeblood. She, I think, is also a coach and she does workshops and works with people about the menstrual cycle and syncing your life to your cycle. I know she wrote a book recently, I haven't read it, but overall I've just enjoyed her content so much. So basically she talked about things like how does your menstrual cycle affect every area of your life throughout the entire month. So it's not just the days leading up to the period and the period itself that it does things to your body. Those hormones are literally doing things, this is so scientific, those hormones are doing things the entire month long and it affects so many different areas of your life. So if you understand how it affects your life, you can live your life in a way that is in harmony with your cycle. I remember she had a printable where it was a circle divided into like tiny pie slices and you would just like track your symptoms, your thoughts, your feelings, every day of the cycle and then use that to try and spot any patterns. So I vaguely incorporated the sort of cycle syncing into my life. I think mainly I just started writing the day of my cycle next to my journal entries. Aside from that, I'm not sure that I implemented it that much. It was just nice to know and understand like, okay, if I'm not feeling very social in the week, week and a half leading up to my period, that's normal, like there's nothing wrong with me, it's okay to want to be alone, and that's something that I can expect to happen on a pretty regular basis. Recently, um, I just felt like I was not that in tune with my body, I kind of fell off the train of paying attention to my cycle. I still write it in my journal, but it just kind of became a habit where I would write the number and then, I don't know, not really think about it. So actually, in one of our dream team calls, sorry, I have my water bottle in my hand if you, were, if you hear water sloshing, someone recommended the book Period Power to me because we were talking about this, like how a lot of productivity advice on YouTube comes from people who don't have menstrual cycles. And so for them, the advice to be extremely consistent every single day um, that you should be able to find motivation to do anything, whatever day it is, it just doesn't apply to people who have a cycle. Like, if you take me, um, around ovulation and then me on the first day of my period, those people just do not have the same capacity to be productive. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and so I decided to read that book. It was absolutely incredible. I was binge reading it in the car while we were road tripping through Spain, while we were 
in our tiny little Airbnb in Madrid. And when I finished it, I knew I needed to take notes on it because it was just so packed with helpful information. So we are gonna go through that now. So one of the things I think towards the beginning of the book that I found interesting, uh, Maisie talked a little bit about how your experience of your first period influences all of your subsequent periods kind of like the attitudes that you absorb that your parents or friends or other people around you show in response to your first period is going to affect how you feel about it later in your life um so i think that's just an interesting thing to think about like if you have a menstrual cycle what was your first period like i was 13 um i was in the bathroom and yeah, there was blood on my underwear, and I was like, oh, okay, it, it has happened. Um, at that age, I was super uncomfortable with talking to my parents about stuff, so I just sat there for the longest time, like, afraid to call my mom into the bathroom and ask her, like, where I could get some pads and stuff. I was just, like, sitting there on the toilet for so long, trying to psych myself up, and then finally I was like, mom... Um, she came upstairs and I don't know if my memory is just kind of distorted, but it seemed like her reaction was a little negative, like, oh shoot, that's happened, you know? Um, so I don't know. Another thing that bothers me is that in Lithuanian, apparently, and I didn't know this like until a few months after my first period, that the way to say that like you're on your period, sort of like a euphemism, translates into English as I'm sick like you're sick and I was just so annoyed by that because it's not that you're sick like sickness is a state of something being uh not right with your body and the menstrual cycle is kind of the opposite of that it means that you are healthy and things are functioning and I don't know I just really didn't like labeling it something so negative anytime I've tried to like talk to my parents about it like uh kind of just casually say like oh my period's coming up so i'm like super tired or something like that i feel like the reaction is a little awkward like i'm guessing that they did not grow up in environments where it was super normal to talk openly about periods and i've been trying to change that in our family but yeah it just made me think about how in the future if and when i have kids I definitely really want to try and make that a good experience for them. Like, I've heard that some other families will literally celebrate it. I don't know if I want to do that, because I feel like that would have made me uncomfortable as well. But just trying to make sure, I guess, that the reaction is not one of panic, that it's calm, that I just give them the information that they need, etc. So next up in the book was a lot of biology stuff. Basically, going over the main hormones that are part of the cycle, what are the phases called, um, which hormone stimulates which phase, etc. It was actually more complicated than I thought it would be. I thought it would just kind of be like, this hormone starts this phase, and then during this phase, you have this hormone. But actually, they kind of work together. Um, but the book has graphs which help you to understand it. So basically, from day one, which is when your period starts through ovulation, is the follicular phase, which is when the eggs are growing and maturing. That's the first half of the cycle. And then ovulation is when that chosen egg gets released. So there was actually a really interesting fact about this. I would in fact call this a fun fact because this blew my mind. So it said that during the colder months, ovulation usually happens in the evening. And so I was like, okay, 
how much is usually before I'm impressed by this fact? What are the statistics to back this up? And actually, it said that for 90% of menstruators during the colder months, they ovulate from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. I thought that was crazy. I'm not one of those people who can feel ovulation, but if you do, that would be a really interesting thing to watch out for. Another fun fact was that younger women tend to ovulate from alternating ovaries, whereas women over 30 tend to ovulate from the same one each time. And again, this was one of those things that I just never learned. I was always under the assumption that for your entire life, you always alternate. I just thought that's like how we're set up, but no, it actually changes once you get older. So then the second half of the cycle is the lute. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever said this out loud. I've only read it. Luteal? Luteal? That is actually a fixed length of about 14 days. So the interesting thing is like if you know that your period is consistently 32 days, then you can count 14 days back from that and you know that you probably ovulate around day 18. Alrighty, so next let's talk about the seasons of the cycle. The seasons is an analogy that I learned about when I first started getting interested in menstrual cycles. So basically the four quarters of the cycle can be described as winter, spring, summer, and fall because the symptoms that you experience kind of match like what we see happening in nature during those seasons. So it's just an easy way to name it and to remember um, what each phase consists of. So that first phase from day one to like day four, five, six, seven, I don't know, however long your period lasts, that is winter. Um, and so for each of these seasons, I kind of wrote like a one sentence summary and I wrote winter is the season to slow down. So I think for most of us, before we learn about any positive sides to having a menstrual cycle, the period is something that we dread um, and that we want to be over as soon as possible. But this book actually does a really good job of explaining that even though this time of the month can be really difficult, there are superpowers, that's what they call them, superpowers that you have during each season and winter has its own superpowers. So the superpowers that you get when you're on your period are that it's a lot easier to get clear on what you want from life. And so recently I actually wrote a newsletter about why I decided that I'm gonna do my monthly planning based on my cycle, not based on when the start of the month is. Because if I know that I'm consistently, every single month, going to be in the kind of mood where I'm good at long-term planning and want to figure out my life on a big scale, then that's when I should schedule my monthly planning, not just because the calendar says it's September 1st. Another superpower is that you have a lot of intuition for the questions that you have about life. So this made me think about another topic related to like the issue of a lot of productivity YouTubers not taking into account the experience of the menstrual cycle. So one thing I hear a lot over on like the personal development side of Twitter and whatever is mental models. Basically ways to think that help you make decisions, um, better decisions than like just the first thing that comes to the top of your mind. And while those might be helpful, I think it's also important to still trust our intuition sometimes because our brains process so much information subconsciously that even though we might not know the reason for a decision that we want to make intuitively, your brain probably has a lot of evidence to back up why that would be the best decision for you. So 
I think especially during the winter season, it's important to remember that you don't have to follow all the mental models that people are talking about on podcasts and blogs or whatever. You actually can just listen to what your intuition is telling you. So then for each season, the book had basically some ideas for what you can do to support yourself during that season. Um, and I think that's really, really important during winter because that requires rest. And I think that's something that just doesn't really come naturally to us. These days, we just feel pressure to be productive and working all the time. And so actively taking time to rest just feels kind of counterintuitive. So some of the ideas are to journal, obviously, because you're very in tune with that intuition side of you, um, doing gentler exercise like walking and restorative yoga. So that was a huge one when I first started learning about cycle syncing because I think a big reason that I lost my period was over-exercising. And then I realized, oh, I actually should listen to my body to decide how much exercise I do, what type, etc. And I don't need to do, I don't think anyone needs to do a super intense workout every single day. It's good to actually give your body a break with other kinds of movement. Um, one tip that really resonated with me was the book was saying that kind of one quote unquote danger of winter is that you might feel like you just want to binge watch TV to take your mind off of the cramping that you might be experiencing and you also don't want to socialize so if you just stay home you can watch Netflix and occupy your time that way but the book was recommending that what if you just tried to just kind of sit with it like not necessarily sit there and do nothing but maybe go on a walk and not listen to music or podcasts or anything or just sit down with a journal like actually really experience how you're feeling because again, intuition, intuition is high at this time. You could come up with some really interesting answers to your life um, if you don't try to just kind of put your brain on mute by scrolling social media or watching TV or whatever. So yeah, winter is the season to take care of yourself. Less socialization, more sleep, uh, lighter exercise, all those good things. Then moving on to spring. Spring I summarized as being the playful season of discovery and exploration. So this is pretty exciting because you start to feel more lighthearted, playful, social, energetic, motivated. You actually feel happier with your reflection. I thought this was interesting. Um, but basically when you look in the mirror, your face is gonna start to look more symmetrical. So that that's fun, I guess. The superpowers of spring are just like in nature, how the trees and, I don't know, pl plants are coming, wait, plants don't hibernate, animals coming out of hibernation, plants growing up from the dirt, trees regaining their leaves. For the menstrual cycle, spring is a time for a lot of transformation. So you're able to do more intense exercise, so that includes like transformation in the form of building muscle, but also transformation like starting new projects, starting to wear different clothes that you've never tried before, talking to new people, expanding your network, etc. So some of the recommendations for this season are to do some more aerobic exercise and because you're going to be more social during this time, it's also a great time to try a group exercise class. So like Zumba or something like that would be perfect. If you're socializing, doing it away from home, maybe going to a place you've never been before is great because again, spring is all about new, new, new. Um, yeah, just trying anything new, but 
of course, as with any season, there are dangers that come with this. So one thing that might happen is that if you're getting all these exciting new ideas, you might get overexcited and start to share them with everyone. And what happens when you share your ideas with tons of people is that some people might not respond to them super well. They might not see your vision and so they might kind of cut down your personal excitement. You might feel pressured to carry out your ideas in a certain way um, based on how other people think you should do it, etc. So basically the warning is just like keep some of your ideas to yourself. You don't have to tell everyone about everything. Another danger is that as you're coming out of winter, you're trying to be completely productive right away. And if you don't give yourself time to rest and transition into spring, you're just gonna burn yourself out and like not even get to enjoy that energy and productivity. And then finally, the last danger is getting distracted by all of your ideas. So uh, maybe you know what this feeling is like, but when you're coming up with so many things that you want to work on, you can't choose the one thing that you actually want to bring into existence and so you end up not really doing anything. But overall, yes, spring is a time to get back out there in the world and talk to people, try new things, start new projects, etc. Then we move on to summer. Uh, so even just like saying summer, you know it's gonna be a good season. Summer is the season of pleasure and invincibility. So two physical symptoms that I thought were interesting to me were that you have suppressed appetite and less need for sleep. And basically I believe the reasoning for that is because you're ovulating, so you are trying to make a baby. And if you're busy trying to make a baby, you should not be busy in the kitchen making some food to eat or busy in your bed sleeping. So that's basically your body's way of like prioritizing meeting someone and having a baby with them. Superpowers of the summer season, you just feel like you can do it all. Um, one thing is that you're better able to take criticism, um, any kind of feedback, and communicate your own thoughts confidently. So this is a really good thing to keep in mind if you have, I don't know, some sort of project you're working on and you know that you need to get input for it. If you have the power to decide when you want to get that input, summer would be a great time because if you get criticism during winter, for example, that might really crush you in a way that it just wouldn't during summer because you're feeling so much more confident during the summer season. So things to do during this season, um, if you have work that you need to do, this is a super productive and energetic time to do that. For exercise, this is also a time to ramp that up and do high intensity stuff, weightlifting, etc. If you have any opportunities for putting yourself out there or sharing your ideas, do that. Go on first dates, meet new people. Just basically you have the energy to take on pretty much anything. Again, make sure that you don't burn yourself out because it's always possible to do too much. But if you're scheduling your month and you know that you need to get some big important thing done or have some big event or something, summer's gonna be the best time to do it. Um, so the dangers of the summer season are saying yes to too many things because remember the season that comes after summer is fall and so if you're going around during summer saying yes to absolutely everything you're going to enter your fall season start to lose some of your energy and have all these places that you need to go because you said yes to all of those people and then another danger is feeling so excited that you can't concentrate and get things done so similar to spring 
Um, having a lot of energy can be a double-edged sword sometimes. If you're focused on a specific project, then you can really make great progress on it. But if you don't have a clear project to channel your energy into, then that energy just kind of floats away from you basically and you don't really get to put it to work. So finally, the last season is fall or autumn. I think I prefer autumn, it just sounds fancier. So autumn is the time to concentrate on yourself and organize. So some of the things that happen during the season, your libido lowers, your productive flow is interrupted, your energy slumps and turns inward, you have more blood sugar instability, so it's important to eat, and it's easier to sleep. So this is a really interesting season. I quite like it. I wonder if that's because I'm an introvert, so it kind of aligns with that side of me. But basically, your superpowers during the autumn season are that you're good at really going deep and concentrating on the thing that you're working on. You're good at reviewing, editing, looking at the big picture overview, and organizing things. So this is not only a good time to like tie up the loose ends on a project, but also to organize your space. I think they call it like nesting when you just want to stay home and organize your room, organize the space that you spend your day in. You're also good at making decisions and you're more likely to share your true feelings. And so this is a good time to be assertive. If there is something that is really bothering you, um, that's a signal that you need to do something about it. And so during your autumn season, you're more likely to speak up against it. But then some of the dangers of this season stem directly from that. So it's good to be assertive, but you might venture into the territory of just being plain rude. Um, so you have to watch out for that. You also have to watch out for not decluttering too much of your life. So when you're in autumn, you might have the urge to like cut ties with everyone you know, throw away everything you have in your house, just make everything perfectly tidy. And then once autumn ends, you might realize like, oh, I didn't actually want to end those friendships or throw away that stuff. So just realizing that during autumn, you're gonna be in that kind of mood where decluttering everything just seems really exciting. But remember to also think practically, are you gonna maybe regret this in a couple of days? A few other dangers of the autumn season are just being more sensitive to criticism. So again, if you need to receive some kind of criticism, Try, if possible, to schedule it during your spring or your summer when you can take it better. And you're also going to be more sensitive to noise and smell. So I don't know what sort of adjustments you would make to your life to avoid noises and smells, but whatever you got to do, it's what you got to do. A few ideas for ways to take care of yourself during the autumn season. So the first one that the book recommended was taking your lunch break to be alone, to just daydream, to people watch. And this is something that's been resonating with me, especially now, because over the past two years, as you probably know, I took gap years. And so most of my meals were eaten at home, especially during the pandemic. Breakfast for me has always been like my special quiet time. I love waking up early. I usually would wake up earlier than my family. And I just loved listening to a podcast while I prepared my favorite breakfast and then eating it by myself, having a quiet start to the day. And I can't really do that here. Well, I could. Okay, so let me explain. I'm in a residence hall 
and I have the full board meal plan and so we eat breakfast in the residence and then lunch and dinner in the university cafeteria which is a few minutes away um, so one time I actually did eat breakfast by myself because I woke up at like 7 I wanted to go down for breakfast right away at 8 a.m. and I was the first one there I was completely alone I actually really enjoyed it the other days I was like okay I should be social I should talk to people so I did go down for breakfast and eat with other people but honestly like moving forward uh, once that kind of initial introducing yourself to everyone phase is over and honestly I can't wait for that phase to be over because as an introvert this is not my natural way to act um i think i'm just gonna start waking up early again go to breakfast at 8 a.m and enjoy my little coffee um whatever they serve eggs tomato toast etc by myself so yeah just remember to give yourself permission to eat on your own you don't always need to be um eating with a group of friends you can just take your food listen to some music, listen to some podcasts. Um, I, for the time being, feel weird doing that here because everyone's so social and I don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, why is she sitting by herself? But I don't know, maybe once I get more comfortable and everyone else gets more comfortable, I think that's something I'm gonna want to do is just eat a couple of meals by myself. Other things to do during your autumn are hanging out with friends. So this one kind of surprised me, I thought, you're just su supposed to be alone during this season. But the book actually said that socialization can be helpful, but if you can, try to socialize at home. So you might invite some friends to have dinner together and just have like a very chill, low-key gathering. And then of course, make sure to send them home early because you need your time to be alone and to sleep. Um, so be assertive, use that assertive power of yours and tell them to get the heck out of your house. Finally, some things to take care of yourself in a more like physical way. Um, as I said, one thing to watch out for is during autumn, your blood sugar is more unstable. So make sure that you're eating enough protein and fat to stabilize that. And as a result, also stabilize your mood and catch up on sleep. So it's gonna be easier to sleep during the season. You need more sleep. It's a good time to get those Z's. So those are the four seasons. Um, I think when you first learn about them, it just can be kind of annoying to think that, oh, like every single month I'm gonna have a week or two when I'm not feeling very social, unproductive, tired. But I think the important thing is to keep in mind that every season has its superpowers. Your worth is not measured based on how social you are, how productive you are, how many things you're getting done. And so the more you can practice those kinds of winter and fall activities like sleeping and journaling and being by yourself, I think the more you learn to appreciate that it's actually really nice to kind of have that variety in life. Um, so there have been some times when I thought like, man, it would be so nice to have hormones that function consistently every day um, so that I could actually be equally as productive every single day but then I think about how nice it is to have a little bit of variety for example in terms of exercise to kind of go through that monthly cycle of doing kickboxing and whatever running I don't I'm not a huge fan of running so I just stated that as a general example but doing that kind of stuff during summer and then going to some yoga classes etc during fall and winter like variety is the spice of life and so I think that 
um, kind of tailoring your life to fit your cycle is a way to introduce that variety. So one of the recommendations that the book makes is to start tracking your cycle like right now. Right now, you don't need to wait until day one. Um, Personally, what I do, and it honestly doesn't work that well, so I think I need a different method, is just at the top of my journal entry, I write what day of the cycle I'm on. Um, So this is nice because if I read back through a journal entry and I see that I had kind of a difficult day, and let's say it was day 28, so like my period was probably a few days away, you can understand that and you can slowly start to spot patterns and be like, okay, so for the past few months I've been feeling really crappy a few days before my period, how can I prepare for this in the future? Um, As I said, I found like these pie charts that you can fill out on Claire Baker's blog, this is Lifeblood, Um, So you just fill out a couple of words or sentences about how you're feeling. I'm sure there are people out there who do this in a more analytical way, make some spreadsheets or whatever. So honestly, if you do that, I would absolutely love to see your system. Please feel free to email me or DM me or whatever to show me. If you're just getting started though, please don't feel overwhelmed by the idea of that. In the book, the author actually recommended writing one word per day about how you're feeling. And even that can be super insightful on its own. Um, I remember she included an example of how she filled out one of her charts. And one of the words she used to describe one of the days was rage. And I just remember thinking like, whoa, that's that's a bit intense. Um, I don't know, I'm just not a person who gets that angry usually. But then, actually, a few days later, I, you know, I was traveling with my family, so sometimes it can be difficult to be in a small space with them and dealing with all the stress of travel. And I did feel so, like, irritable and angry that day. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I would write rage for today. I kind of understand that feeling. So, yeah, just, like, try to sum up how you're feeling emotionally, physically, and eventually patterns will come to light and you'll be able to adjust your life based on those observations that you make. One thing I've been doing that has more connection to like the topic of productivity is incorporating this into my calendar and my to-do list. So what I started doing is actually putting the seasons of my menstrual cycle on iCal um, and the color I chose was red, of course. Um, The aesthetic fits the theme. So what I did was I just scheduled like these long events for when I predicted I would be in each season. And that way, when I'm looking ahead to my calendar, when I need to schedule something or decide if I wanna go somewhere, or recently um, like decide when I want to film a specific video, I can see um, and estimate how I'll be feeling on those days. So for example, if I need to film a really draining video, I probably should not do that during fall or winter because one, I'm going to completely exhaust myself and two, the video is probably gonna suck because I'm gonna look dead on camera. The other thing regarding my to-do list that I've been doing, so I would recommend my how I plan my week video, the pretty recent one where I share my weekly planning routine to actually see what my to-do looks like. I don't know if I had started doing this cycle thing uh, when I filmed that, but you can see how to-do is set up. So I plan out my tasks for the week, but then if I have another task that I want to do in the upcoming weeks, I have these little lists at the bottom. 
And so how I labeled those lists is like, okay, let me open it up right now to give you a good example. So the week that I'm recording this is the week of the 6th through the 12th. So then I have a list at the bottom that says September 13th through September 19th. Um, and then two more weeks after that. And next to each of those dates, I write the season that I'm going to be in during that week. So I actually have used this system a couple of times. One time I noticed that we needed to just clean up our Notion workspace a little bit because it was getting a little messy. Um, so I needed to organize it and I decided to schedule that for a week when I was in my fall season because as I said, that's when you are decluttering, organizing, getting your life in order, etc. And another instance was someone had a good suggestion for some TikToks that I could make and I was like, all right, I'm actually going to make those. I'm going to film them. And so I was looking at my to-do list. When should I schedule that? And I picked spring. I would have picked summer, but I think at the time I was like, at the beginning of fall, so I didn't want to put it one month away, but I knew that TikTok especially, I think just requires more energy being on camera, and so I knew that I would find that really difficult to kind of muster up that energy during my fall or winter seasons. There were a few more sections in the book. Um, there was one section uh, that talked a lot about digestion and how that is connected to your menstrual health, and then there were a bunch of kind of miscellaneous tips on things like avoiding hormone disruptors, practicing something called seed cycling, and just other small habits that you can incorporate into your life that support your menstrual health. Um, they're just tiny things, so I'm going to leave that for you if you read the book or if you read my book notes and summary on Vibly. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is seed cycling, because this is something that I actually learned about when I first started getting into this topic and I think it's super interesting. So basically, if you eat specific um, seeds at specific times of your cycle, uh, I don't know what to call it. You can't, you can't say ingredients of the seeds, but like specific components of the seeds support the hormones of the stage of the cycle that you're in. And so the book recommended eating two to four tablespoons daily of these seeds in the first half of the cycle, you eat flax and pumpkin seeds, and in the second half, you eat sesame and sunflower. I've never consistently tried this. I definitely try this for like a few days, um, but I am pretty interested in trying it consistently while I'm here. Definitely have not yet found a grocery store that sells any kind of variety of nuts and seeds, but we'll see. Oh, another helpful thing that I have in my book notes and summary is that I copied over um, the list that were included in the book. So a list of physical symptoms that you can track if you really want to get detailed with your cycle tracking, words that you can use to describe your emotions, and also um, like categories to think about. So identifying your needs for food that day or how thirsty you were, how much hydration you needed, how much sleep you needed, etc. So yeah, if you want to check those out, read the book or check out my book notes and summary. I absolutely love this topic. So if you want to keep the conversation going and reach out to me, message me, email me. I would absolutely love that. Um, as I said, I think I should reach out to Claire Baker and tell her like, yeah, I've been a really big fan of your work and you were a huge influence on me when I was growing up. So I think it would be really cool to do a podcast episode with her. Um, if that does end up happening, I will definitely let you know so that you can send in your questions because she 
is an actual expert, whereas I just read a book. <laughs> I mean, I did a, that AP World History presentation, but yeah, not an expert. Um, but I think it's just such a helpful thing to know in your life. As I said, whether you have a menstrual cycle or you know someone who has it, I think understanding how it works can just create so much more understanding in general in our world. And then of course it also improves just your personal relationship with yourself and you can be a lot kinder to yourself when you're not being as productive or energetic as you thought you would be because you kind of understand what's going on behind the scenes, so to say, in your body. Alrighty, so three takeaways from today's episode. Number one, if you have a menstrual cycle and you don't currently track your symptoms, please start doing that. I personally have not really found any apps that work well for me for this. Um, Clue is a pretty good app and I think they actually wrote about it in the book. It does track a variety of symptoms, but I always feel like I just don't find um, the options that I need, if that makes sense. Like I'll experience something and I think, oh, that's probably connected to my cycle, but then there's no way to log that in the app. So as I said, I just write in my journal and then I write the day of the cycle. You can print out a pie chart. There's probably plenty of places to find that online. Start small, just write one word per day. But once you just start paying attention, you will start to notice things. My second takeaway is that it can definitely sometimes feel like your menstrual cycle just gets in the way of things, especially in the way of productivity. And that's why I think planning ahead is really important. So if you have a general idea of what you're doing in the next month, if you make plans with friends far in advance, then you can be really good about scheduling difficult work, uh, really social energetic activities during the times of your cycle when you know you'll be up for that. And then just have more time to yourself, more kindness towards yourself during the seasons when you're not as high energy. Finally, the last takeaway is that I think we can all just have a small part to play in making the topics of menstrual cycles and periods less taboo, just like on an individual level by talking about it more, by being the one who starts a conversation with family members or with friends, um, not always trying to hide it, but actually being open about like, this is what stage of my cycle I'm at right now, and this is how I'm feeling, this is how it affects me, and this is how you can support me and help me during this stage. Um, also, I don't know how I feel about euphemisms, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of them. Things like, Aunt Flo is in town, or I just looked one up, um, surfing the crimson wave, that just sounds so weird. <laughs> um, it's it seems like a really small thing, changing the words that you use, but I think it's just so powerful because you show that it's not a taboo to talk about these topics. You don't have to come up with like a secret keyword to discuss this topic. And so I think if you use the words like menstrual cycle or period in your conversations, social media, whatever, hopefully that will make a tiny ripple effect change in the world and make other people feel more comfortable talking about it as well because women's health just doesn't get talked about enough we are nervous to talk about it and so then we might not get the help that we need like when i lost my period and was losing bone density and didn't even know that that was something that was happening let's just all be open about what we're experiencing and understand that this is such a natural thing and not something that we should be afraid of talking about 
so that's my call to action for this podcast episode, I guess. I think I'm going to try to be more open about this topic on YouTube and social media and whatever. Um, if I do end up getting Claire Baker or another menstrual cycle expert on my podcast, I will definitely let you know so that you can send in questions beforehand. Otherwise, that is it for this episode. So thank you so much for listening. Apologies for the long break. We're hopefully going to be back to regular episodes from now on. And I will talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at The Bliss Bean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's theblissbean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at theblissbean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.